0: What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops podcast. It's great to be back. We're coming back, following NBA Summer League, and after having a chance to connect with a bunch of executives, agents, and scouts out there, personally, I can't remember a time when that many people around the league were happy to reunite with people, even though it was the end of uh, a long season and the end of, essentially, the uh, offseason for the better part of the moves that were made. But uh, it was great to see a lot of people and reunite with some faces. Um, And, you know, folks, some of these NBA personnel members got introduced to an NBA summer league rookie, our own own Yossi Goslin, our salary cap expert. Um, Folks, you know, chicks dig the long ball in baseball. And in NBA, they love salary cap experts like Yossi. i Got a kick out of introducing him to everybody, whether it was an exec or an agent, um, you know, being his first time. And I um, was glad to see the people read his stuff, but also that, like, you know, everybody just loves a cap guy. You know, it's I guess, you know, for some other people, you know, when you're 32 and you've been in the game a little bit, you know, it's uh, it's not the new kid on the block anymore. But Yossi, was a pleasure um, with you in Summer League, my man. And today uh, we'll do the first of a two-part Podcast this week, I'm reviewing the offseason today. We get into the losers of the offseason. The uh, I'd like to call these teams the uh, the no offense, the all due respect, you know, uh, teams that, that that didn't necessarily get it done um, so far. And, and you know, see the first team I wanted to talk about with you and and talking with some execs and um, some scouts around the league. Um, the Portland Trailblazers. Now, in Portland, I, the biggest change that they made was at the coaching spot, where Terry Stotts is out and Chauncey Billups comes in. Uh, he's a wild card, you know. He's preaching, playing defense and whatnot uh, as their calling card. They lose Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers, and they make some fringe moves around the edges. You know, they bring in Cody Zeller, Ben McLemore, Tony Snell. Uh, for me. And a lot of other people around the league, Uh, obviously, that's not moving the needle for them as a competitor in the West. Um, But wanted to get your initial thoughts on what Portland did. And I'll certainly share some thoughts of uh, what I've gotten from conversations with scouts and execs around the league on Portland. Well, first of all, Mike,
1: thank you for that intro. Uh, I want to thank you for just the whole summer league experience. It was a great out of blast. Even though there was still some COVID restrictions, it was amazing. Met a lot of great people. And just thanks for introducing me to everyone. Uh, yeah, but let's get to it. Uh, so Portland, Portland's been a team that I've been talking about quite a bit. Even since before free agency, I wrote not only the Dame trade market article, but also just like a whole uh, review of what their situation is, what their needs are. I was weighing the pros and cons of if they should do a total rebuild and just blow it all up versus what, what they would have to do to build on this core and improve. And as for this current season, they needed to improve their bench drastically. They finished 29th in defense last year. They were just not getting it done on that end of the court. And a lot of it had to do with their bench and they did nothing to improve their bench, in my opinion, like not, not significantly they i they brought back Norman Powell on a pretty solid deal. I think it's fine, and they have very limited flexibility to fill out the rest of the roster, which is why they only added minimum guy. They added Cody Zeller, Ben McLemore, Tony Snell, and look like, adding these minimum guys it's you can argue that these were good signings, but like these are good if you're looking for like a ninth or tenth man. These, but the Blazers they're looking for like their sixth, seventh guy right now. Like, so they did not really address their bench. I don't think they address their defense. Um, and then you know just a lot of the stuff that was going on as far as the Dame stuff it definitely clouded their offseason. That's all the uncertainty there. Uh, definitely appears like he'll pay for them this year, but maybe the writing's on the wall. I don't know. They, But they don't have any flexibility right now, like I said, especially now that the Dame and CJ extensions that they signed a couple years ago, they're finally kicking in. They're right at the tax. Clearly, I don't think they really want to go over it. I don't know what kind of deal there might be out there that convinces them to, to break the bank a little more. But... It just seems like they're in a holding pattern right now. So while they didn't do anything to make the team worse, maybe they're a little better. It's just this they're in this holding pattern right now. It's very unclear what's going to happen next. And, you know, unless there's going to be some kind of uh, commitment and maybe a subsequent move that maybe puts them a little further into the – closer to, like, the top four of the West. Uh, then it just feels to me that we're just waiting for some kind of indication or some kind of trade request. I don't know. Just seems like they're in the holding pattern right now. Just they're stuck. So this is why I would say they were a loser of the offseason.
0: Yeah and I mean you'll see the biggest thing when you talk to any rival executive agents around the league, you know, whoever the, the biggest the bottom line for the Portland Trailblazers is Damian Lillard's prime Is on a clock right now. It's kind of like Marissa Tomei, okay, and my cousin Vinny. It's on. It's ticking, okay. And so for me, I don't think if you're not doing anything to move the needle forward, you're not doing anything. And and granted, they have some, you know, salary restrictions. I get all that. But you know, one thing about like Neil O'Shea, you know, they made some changes on the back end of um, some of the scouting department and whatnot, and it's like. Neil is swinging and going all in on Chauncey Billups. This is his guy. He and Chauncey have a relationship dating back to their Los Angeles Clippers days together. You know, Neil is very fond of uh, Chauncey Billups as a leader, and he thinks he's the right guy for the job. Ultimately, he's either going to sink or swim with this hire because they didn't make any other moves um, to the roster. And, you know, with Chauncey, it, the the thing obviously, you know, with the legal stuff coming up from the past, it's just like, I don't know if Neil necessarily read the room as well as he should in, in Portland with that demographic, but nonetheless, it's his swing for the fences here with Chauncey Billups, um, who many people have thought would be a coach in a league. We'll see how it translates with Damian Willard. I always found it interesting that they went with a rookie coach, whether he has dames respect or not uh, in a win now situation. That's always a, a wild card. And you know, when, when you look at the roster, um, you know, I, I, I'll say this three guys got to step up in, in my eyes, and one, CJ McCollum needs to become an all-star for the first time in his career. He's been knocking on the door. If they're going to be successful in Portland, this needs it needs to happen this year for CJ. And this guy's got to average, in my opinion, at somewhere between twenty-three and twenty-five points a game. They really need to go all in on their scoring. He was
1: on. He was probably going to be an all-star last year before he got hurt. Room. Yeah,
0: he
1: was like there. Unfortunately, just inj- injuries are another issue going on with Portland over the years. Just right, a lot of bad. Injury.
0: And, and Yusuf Nurkic needs to come back and, and dominate. You know, there was a time when Nurkic was thought to be the third guy and uh, he's going to need to be now for them. You know, Robert Covington has a chance to get more of an opportunity with Carmelo Anthony gone, scoring the ball-wise on the wing um, as kind of a 3 and D guy. But, you know, what's, what's interesting about Portland, um, you know, you had touched on it a little bit about, their restrictions. But, you know, in talking to some scouts and execs from the league, um, you know, uh, one scout said to me that, uh, you know, look, they didn't have any money to do anything meaningful, but Neil O'Shea is too scared to trade CJ McCollum. That was his opinion. Um, Another scout said that, uh, you know, look, they didn't move the needle in Portland, but if those guys play defense like you touched on, they could be solid. They needed uh, stay healthy for the most part. Losing Mellow is what it is. Um, but I, I really thought it was summed up best by this one general manager who who I was texting with earlier. Um, he said that there, he's not really sure what Portland could have done. He said, but I guess they're losers because they had to find a way to get better. And they kind of didn't do anything, which has been the whole point. They're, they're Like you mentioned, they're stuck in that neutral position and I, you're going to have to just bank on, you know, Dame being Dame. CJ needs to play at that All-Star level like he was before he got hurt last year and then Rocco and Robert Covington that is and Yusuf Nurkic you need to take that next step. I don't personally think it's enough for them to, to be a competitor in the West when other teams got better. You know, Phoenix is back. They added some fringe guys on the edges as well. Um, You expect them to be back. The Lakers clearly, in my opinion, upgraded their talent. Um, We may disagree on that on the next episode. Stay tuned for that. Um, But everybody else in the West, like, seemed to get better. You know, Utah brought back Mike Conley. Uh, So I'm not seeing where Portland's making a jump.
1: Yeah, just, again, I think it comes down to the bench right now. They, I don't think there's really... There's there's very little upside up front on that bench right now. Uh, I do expect I think they might do another move. They still have it's a, they have a couple small moves to make, like possibly with Derrick Jones Jr. Because um, they still need to fill up another roster spot too. But again, it, it's nothing that's really going to thread the needle for them. As far as tr- as po- potential CJ trade, I just don't know what's out there that really improves the team. Um, There's always that uh, everyone's favorite hypothetical Ben Simmons trade for C.J. McCollum. I don't really think that's realistic. And even then, I'm not even sure that improves them. So what are you going to get for C.J.? What player can you get for C.J. that's better than him? I'm not sure. So I kind of get why he might be hesitant on trading him right now if there's no definitive way to improve the team uh, significantly by moving him. So it just... It's rough. There, we'll maybe in time, if they have enough time and they still have everyone together, maybe there's someone who becomes available. And maybe they could trade for him. They solve all their picks going forward. Maybe some of their young guys are appealing. We'll see. But definitely not looking good on that part as well.
0: You know, another team in the Western Conference that uh, some around the league, whether it's scouts or executives, felt maybe didn't have the best offseason or at least had some question marks you know it's tough to say fully whether a team is a a winner or a loser because ultimately these decisions have to play out but uh in talking with scouts and executives the new orleans pelicans were a team that some people put in the proverbial loser category um you know in, in talking with some scouts you know one said that they essentially had to pay and try to fix their mistakes from last summer now uh, and trying to move uh, Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. And, uh, you know, another scout said that, uh, you know, ultimately he felt the acquisition of Devontae Graham, he's a fine player, but they need a point guard to pair with him. And and Lonzo Ball's now gone as part of that sign and trade. Um, The scout didn't blame them for not paying Lonzo, but – at the end of the day, the scout said, I don't know who their point guard is. And you can run Zion at the point, but um, he said that I just felt like they swung and missed on a lot of guys and that bench is very underwhelming. Uh, another GM that I, I spoke to uh, put it, in, in my opinion, more succinctly with New Orleans. The, the general manager said to me, New Orleans tried to go big and you know, he was referring to Kyle Lowry. Uh, and they got big-timed, and they didn't read the room. They gave up assets, and he didn't know if the players they got were better or worse. Um, And obviously, the coaching hire uh, went poorly as a one-year experiment there as well. Um, Lastly, another executive told me that uh, he felt that from the outside looking in, New Orleans is dealing with an unclear vision. Uh, They've got a new young inexperienced head coach who this executive likes but noted is in a tough spot and he sensed the pressure from that organization to win now and they're in a difficult market to recruit free agents. Obviously they had to do the sign and trade to get Devontae Graham. So to me, you know, I I like uh you know Valanciunas as a player. I do. I just I don't know. Like it I, I kind of see what these guys are saying a little bit, that they they definitely tried to swing for Kyle Lowry and whiffed. I mean, that was just – it was The writing was on the wall based on the way that they did the transactions and freed up the cap space. And it, they didn't use it to keep Lonzo at that point as a fallback option. So clearly, like, behind the scenes, that was already done, that he wasn't coming back there. They weren't going to pay him. And they went all in on Lowry. I think what surprised me personally – um, knowing, especially as a Brooklyn guy, and being around Trajan Langdon, I would have thought maybe they would have went after Spencer Dinwiddie a little bit more. But again, the writing was on the wall that you know Bradley Beal was making an aggressive push to get him, and the Washington front office. And even though it was a convoluted sign and trade to get him there, uh, that ended up happening. So they kind of like were playing musical chairs, and they got left without a chair when the music stopped at the point guard position.
1: Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack with New Orleans. Uh, in my opinion, I think they there, there are the transactions, which is a lot. We'll get to that. But even before all that, there was a lot of off the court stuff that happened that was pretty damaging. One thing was the athletic piece saying that Zion isn't really happy in New Orleans, family doesn't want to be there. Uh, now that's sort of a whole bunch of speculation if maybe he's going to be the first a uh, max level player to take his qualifying offer. And while that's still a long shot, this it, it's, un, it's definitely real. This, it feels like it's real This Zion stuff and it's definitely cranked the pressure on the front office all the way to 10. There's a lot of, it feels like there's a lot of pressure on there on them right now. I can't like more than any other organization, which is it's tough. Cause he's only, he's in his second year. It's, it's not a you don't usually get this pressure this early. It's unprecedented. So and then you know there this Dan van Gundy firing that that blast that didn't last very long. That's just another thing. But so let's get to the move. So the first thing that the Pelicans did was that Grizzlies trade. And to me it felt a little promising that they cleared all that money. Uh not because I don't think they I, I didn't feel like they gave up that much to do so, getting off Adams and Bledsoe and then uh, making an upgrade on offense from Adams to Valanciunas. So we'll see. Maybe maybe he fits a lot better than Zion. We'll see. But I don't think they even gave up that much to, to do it. They moved down seven spots in the draft, and they gave up that Lakers pick next year, which will probably be in the late 20s. So I think – it's fine. A lot of people think that the Pelicans gave up a lot, but to, then I see what they could do with that flexibility. They could have generated 36 million cap space, or they had a lot more room under the luxury tax. They could have brought back all three guys. They could have brought back lance the ball with Josh Hart and had their mid-level and have these, this big trade exception and neither, nothing really came out of either option. So this, with the w- As far as the Lonzo stuff, it feels like there's a lot of reporting saying, okay, maybe the Lonzo didn't want to be there. And then there's the other side saying, okay, maybe the, the Pelicans didn't really want him there. So it definitely feels like a little of both. But if you're the Pelicans, I I, I don't understand the lack, uh, the complete, if, if he they really did not want him back, like I don't understand how like, I, I just don't get that, how they didn't want him back at all. Like, I do feel deep inside that even if Lonzo really didn't want to be there, if the Pelicans offered the most money, maybe, maybe he he would think about coming back. It definitely feels like a lot of the Pelicans young players wanted him back. So just letting him go and not really getting just they just got rotation players for him, like mainly bench players for him. Not a fan of that. And to me, just, it tells me that the Pelicans are really betting on their young guys, which is fine. Like That's good to keep trusting that Kyle Lewis and Alexander Walker, that they're really going to develop. These are the two young guards. And maybe they do. That would be really big. If, if I do think that the saving grace for New Orleans at this point would be if their young guys really pan out. And they've shown some promise so far. But we still haven't truly seen if these guys are going to be like starter level or even like really good rotation. But we, we still it's still early for that. Um, and then, you know, the Graham signing. Look, I don't I don't mind the contract, but if he I guess again, if Lewis or Alexander Walker, if one of them can be the main starting point guard, I like Graham as a backup. He can score whenever he needs to improve his three-point shooting. It's a little small on defense, but that's why he's. I think he's better suited off the bench. The salary, I think it's fine for that role. Uh, so we'll see because in the end, the Pelicans are really betting on their young guys panning out, and that's going to be everything. That's what I'm going to keep my eyes on for them
0: going forward. You know, with the Pelicans, it's interesting too because they also – Um, work out a deal with Josh Hart and and they bring him back. And with Josh, um, it's interesting to me because basically, uh, you know, with Josh, there were some conversations about uh, potentially a sign and trade with Larry Mark and the Bulls and and Josh Hart's name came up. Um, I don't know how advanced those talks went, if at all, but I know there was at least some conversation there about that. Uh, which I found interesting, and you know, ironically, Lowry, uh, marketing is, is in a little bit of limbo right now, and he needs to figure out his future. Whether he ends up going back to Chicago on a qualifying offer, or they can work out a trade, whether it's a one-team or a multi-team trade to to get him to a destination. Uh, again, folks, this is definitely going to be on. Uh, Chicago is going to be on the next podcast for sure. Um, I'm definitely going to have a lot to say about that team with Yossi. We may differ a little bit on that as a little preview for that. Um, but, you know, you touched on a lot of the things with New Orleans and, um, you know, it it was interesting because like also being in, in Vegas Summer League, you know, w- in addition to catching up with uh, people that are, you know, NBA personnel people, you know, I used to work with Will Gullery at. The Athletic uh, when I was there and, you know, Will's a good friend of mine still. And, and, and we were all like talking about that um, and Zion's future. And, you know, like, yeah, I, I think everybody realizes that, you know, Zion, the, the, put it this way, the, the noise, whatever you want to call it about Zion to the Knicks. Um, I mean, that's, that's always been around. I remember when I, I took a video and I posted it on Twitter about Zion talking about the Knicks and uh, you can look it up on Twitter, search it like uh, that stuff has always gained a ton of traction. He's obviously close with RJ Barrett on the Knicks. Um, They're very close friends from their time at Duke and through the high school rankings together. Um, It's just that noise isn't going anywhere. I just think for new Orleans, I thought, you know, Jonas Valanciunas has to be as good of an upgrade as I think he can be for them. Um, at the center spot I'm just curious in a point guard league um how losing Lonzo Ball is going to affect this team overall and if they end up shifting kind of Zion to more of a point forward role which we saw a little bit of last season I'm curious if that gets an extended look um as they try to maximize his value and um his happiness there ultimately so uh time will tell on that but um you know, we, we talked about Devontae Graham and Devontae Graham, of course, coming from, uh, the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, I don't really know if you can classify the Hornets as a loser, um, in free agency. I wouldn't go that far. Um, to me personally, you know, they go from Cody Zeller to Mason Plumlee on, uh, and a change at center there. And I, is it an upgrade? Yeah, I think it's an upgrade. Is it substantial? Eh, I don't know. You know, I know that Nerlens Noel before he re-signed with the Knicks and before the Mason Plumlee trade happened, I know that he had at least had some interest in Charlotte uh, with the potential to be a, a pick and roll partner with Lamelo Ball and and being a, a lob dunker on offense and and a, and the a defensive anchor there. You um, I think they could use some help in, in that regard on defense. I don't, you know, Mason Plum is a solid pro, uh, but shot blocking is not one of his known strengths. And one other the moves that they did that I think to some people kind of came a little bit out of left field, they end up getting Kelly Oubre Jr. on the market. And, um, you know, I spoke to one scout who who put it this way, you know, quote, the Oubre signing was weird. They need to keep developing Miles Bridges and give him Exposure. Uh, I feel like they're in a win now mode. Uh, I like Plumlee compared to what they have. It's another blah center, but he's an upgrade over Cody Zeller. Listen, folks, some scouts, you know, they're a little bit more blunt in their analysis when they're talking. Um, To me, I, I kind of agreed with that. Like Kelly Oubre Jr., especially a guy that came into free agency that wanted to start and you know, Kelly and I had a conversation on the Hoopside podcast. I encourage you guys to listen to it if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, there's also a transcript as well. You know, Kelly wanted a chance to spread his wings, and I, I just wonder in Charlotte. You know, you could play Miles Bridges at the four if you want, but you're going kind of small at that point. I'm I'm kind of curious how these pieces fit. Um, one scout said to me that. Terry Rozier is going to get overpaid now with this extension, but you kind of have to do that if you're Charlotte. Um, I know that you, I'll, and I'll let you have the floor in a little bit. I know you have a stance on the uh, Terry Rozier contract. We've talked about this off air. Um, but to me, I, I just wonder how the, the Kelly Oubre signing is going to mesh with this team. I mean, it, it it's it's a short term, you know, kind of swing for the fences, and he's a young guy, maybe it pans out. I'm just curious how it affects the other guys there and their development. And I thought maybe they would go a different direction at center than Mason Plumley, and I know some others felt the same. So I don't know if I'd call them a loser, but there's certainly some questions here in Charlotte and obviously losing Devontae Graham to the New Orleans Pelicans as well.
1: Right. I wouldn't, I don't think there's a lot of big losers in this off season. I don't think there's any, a lot of teams that made like a lot of, you know, really bad decisions. I guess we kind of went there with the Pelicans and then with Portland, it was just like they're in this holding pattern. But the Horns just a couple things I think ultimately that kind of led me to conclude that I think they still have somewhat of a bad off season. Definitely not like terrible. I don't think it's anything that set them back horribly. But it, it just, this, the Hornets have always been a little impatient when it comes to rebuilding. Uh, in 2016, they make the playoffs for, with this team, they go take the heat to six games and they lose and then they just invest in everybody. They give extensions to everyone, like guys like Michael Gilchrist and Marvin Williams and they give Matt, Nick Batum a big contract. Everyone got paid. And while uh, this season wasn't quite as successful, there's definitely a little bit of committing going on. and like similar, Not as badly as in 2016, but definitely feels like they're really, yeah, they're in a win now mode, which is good for the development for LaMelo to get him in the playoffs. But uh, I'm not... I'm not sure it's gonna, I, I just feel like they're trying to really skip ahead here. Um, last season, I did not like the Gordon Hayward signing and while he was great this year, uh, I still don't like the signing, he did get hurt again. And I've, I like to think there should be interest in him from the league based on what he did this year and that Charlotte could even get an asset for him. And But it doesn't seem like they'd wanna move him and I just feel like that contract's gonna hurt in the back end. Um, as far as their center situation, I don't really think they really improved it at all. I'm not sure how much of an upgrade Mason Plumlee is from Zeller. He, I still think both guys are better suited off the bench and they, they still have all these other center, really young center prospects. And we still don't know if any of these guys are going to be ready. So I don't, I don't know how they really improved their center situation at all. And then they still had, Roughly twelve, thirteen million in cap space, and they use it on Ubre, which is fine. You know, like I like that signing for the value and to get some more offense. I'm guessing he's going to come off the bench, which would be a, a hell of a, of a bench signing. But I, I think I would have invested that money on another big man. Um, we'll, I'm, we'll see. I'm very skeptical that they really improve their center situation at all. Uh, then the other thing they did was a Terry Rozier extension, just a little, it's a little too rich for my blood. Now, last season, what he did was amazing. As far as his shooting numbers, they were absolutely ridiculous. His clutch numbers were insane. And if he's going to be that guy going forward, then he's totally worth that money. He's probably even being underpaid, but this extension was based on just that one year and it's possible that maybe what we the Terry Rozier we saw last year was an outlier. Um, I'm sure he's still going to be good, but I just think there's some risk there that they're committing so much money to him just off this one season, where, uh, you know, it just I, I don't it, it might just he might not be that good. He'll still be good, but he might not be that. I don't I don't know if this shooting performance we saw is really that real. Um, and you know now they give them that extension. They're basically out of cap flexibility for the next few years. So they're they're with this. That's it. This core, this team they have, they're they're stuck with it. Not for the greater good. They they've got. They're gonna be with this core. I'm guessing that now they don't. That now that they won't have cap space next off season, They'll probably extend Miles Bridges too. I hope. I'm really high on him.
0: He's gonna want to get paid. I'm gonna tell you that right now.
1: Oh, he. Yeah, I hope he deserves to get paid. And another reason why I'm not a big fan of the Hayward signing was that this was limiting Bridges. Um, you know, maybe I, I think he could start alongside. I think he should be the starting four. I think he, it, with the way Charlotte's playing, they they want to have a smaller lineup. I really like the idea of Miles Bridges as a starting four. He was killing it last season after Hayward got hurt. So at least try to make I would try to make him integrated part of the the starting and closing lineup um but that's the only thing like I I just don't like how they're getting ahead of themselves right now they're still a pretty young team um I don't like if this is going to be the core they've got going forward yeah there's going to be a lot of improvement I'm sure I'm sure I, I think Miles ridge is going to get a lot better I think P.J. Washington is going to get better, uh, even and hopefully Terry Rozier stays this good and the rookies develop. But even then, I'm not sh- – and even with LaMelo Ball, if he becomes an all-star within the next two years, I'm still skeptical of how far this core can go um, in the East. I'm not sure they – I'm not too sure they'll be able to break like home court advantage within, I don't know, the next three, four years. We'll see. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Uh, but I just think they definitely, it feels like they definitely skipped a lot of steps.
0: You, you touched on Miles Bridges and I, for those who are listening, obviously a little bit of a breakdown here as a starter, Miles Bridges averaged 18.6 points, 6.7 rebounds. And he did that in 36.1 minutes. Not bad. Shot 41.8% from three. Um Just to give you an idea as far as, um, uh, what he did as a starter when he had the opportunity with Charlotte. Um, You know, look, Yossi, you you also touched on a a piece separately about how the 2022 market could be a little dry um, for free agency. And I think it behooves a lot of younger guys that are eligible for contract extensions to try to get these deals done because ultimately um, they have a better chance, I think, of getting paid that way than they do on the market, there's not a lot of teams with cap space, you know, unless you want to talk about like the Orlando Magic, but there's very few uh, and far between. So, you know, Miles Bridges uh, it's going to look to shoot for the moon with those contract extension talks with uh, Clutch Sports CEO Rich Paul and his camp. Uh, you know, they're always shooting for the max over there as much as they can get. So, um We'll see what he ends up getting there. But uh, certainly uh, interesting to see how that's going to shake out there. But, I mean, to me, time will tell. I just – again, I'm not sure they're a loser. I just think that some guys had some questions about the fit with Ubre and with Plumlee. Um, We'll see what happens there. I know there was one other team you personally wanted to get into that – you had your own thoughts on on the free on the uh, NBA off season for them, so I'll let you take the floor there um, as we get ready to wrap up this. I don't know if I'll call them the losers. You know, we'll call them the uh, all due respect, no offense category. This year, right? I as
1: and the team is the Utah Jazz, and a lot of what happened. Well, there's one thing they did this off season which really. Negated everything they did last offseason. It's just it, what happened this offseason just kind of ruined a lot of moves they made in the last one. Uh, so they they wanted to sign Derek Favors last offseason. So they traded four second round picks in total to get off of Tony Bradley, Ed Davis, uh, Ray John Tucker, who had a partial guarantee. And all that gave them a lot of flexibility to with under the hardcast so they could give Derek Favors the full mid-level. And that move did not work out at all. It was such a disaster that this offseason they traded a future first-round pick and a second to get off Favors to OKC. So they essentially, through all this center shuffling, they burned five second-round picks in a first literally for nothing. So just... A just really bad transactional game right there. Uh, and then, you know, so they save some money by getting off favors and they go ahead and they sign uh, Rudy Gay to the full taxpayer mid-level exception, which I think for this year, that's, that de- I think that's definitely a good move. I think the Jazz are definitely well positioned this year to make a run to win the West this year with Rudy Gay. Uh, one of the biggest, things I thought that they should have pursued last year was a wing-type player like Rudy. There wasn't a lot out there, which uh, which is why a lot of teams went for backup centers. But that's uh, – so they're definitely well-positioned now. I think that they needed – There were kind of a wing short. He can play some stretch war for them. I like it this year, but I don't like that they gave him three years with the player option for the third. Um He's, he's been very productive for the Spurs. He really reinvented himself as a valuable role player these past four years with them. But he's 35. I think as far as uh, some of these contracts given to players in the 30s, like, yeah, you got Kyle Lowry. He's also 35. He got a pretty big contract, but um, he's he was still still a borderline all-star. Uh, Mike Conley, he just was an all-star. Yeah. Um, well, this isn't a very big contract, just where Utah is. Um, it just, there's a very, I in my opinion, there's a very good chance that maybe he like follows off by the second year. Maybe, I don't even know if he would make, he might not even make it to the third with that player option there. Um, so we'll see, like I said, it's a good fit for this year, but I just, I'm a little skeptical for how long. I, and it just feels to me they might be in another position, like with this Derek Favors contract. Maybe with Rudy Gag. We'll see.
0: Ultimately for Utah, I I understand what you're saying there on those moves. I would say, you know, like they brought back Mike Conley, the core of the team is the core. They're going to just try to run it back and it is what it is. See if they can get over the proverbial hump or not. Um, but I'm not sure they're going to. Like I said, other teams in the West got better. Um, you know, that. Eventually, like you know, teams are obviously going to keep tabs on Donovan Mitchell too, um, just like they have with guys like Brad Beal and, and you know the Zach Levines of the world. Um, you know, I'm curious right now if there's going to be like who's going to be that next star that people talk about that could get moved, but time's going to tell on that, and time's going to tell whether these moves ultimately pan out for these teams or not. But um, as always. On behalf of my colleague, Yossi, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Hoopside Podcast. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too. He's at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time. I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.